Welcome, Hive Nation, to another outstanding podcast for you today. Uh, today, we have a, a, a real honor and a real uh, executive guest with 40 years of experience. Um, he's been an executive in four countries, uh, sorry, uh, four con countries, three continents. Um, he is, uh, oh, also, also Hive Nation, it's Carl's birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday, Carl. Happy birthday to Carl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, Mr. Carl Bear is our guest today. Uh, he is a, uh, has, like I said, 40 years uh, experience in senior leadership roles. He is a former uh, Fortune 500 CEO. Uh, he has assessed literally thousands of potential leaders, um, continues to coach and mentor uh, leaders that are going to uh, strive and and really shape our country today and tomorrow. Um, Carl has sat on many uh, charitable boards, as many true leaders do, uh, and uh, it's a real honor to have you with us today, Carl. So, so welcome to the Hive Nation podcast. Good, good to be here. Thank you, Jason, and. Uh, uh, so we can we can move on with your questions, uh, and hopefully I can give you uh, good responses. Absolutely, I have I have no doubt in my mind. Looking forward to it. First of all, Carl, um, when when assessing leaders, uh, what are the three qualities you look for in a qualified leader? Well, I, I, I a good question, and I would think the the first. Uh, the first quality would be communication. And by communication, I mean upwards uh, to the board level and then also to the staff. Uh, are they, do they have good listening skills? Uh, uh, do they communicate the strategy well? Does everybody on the team understand where, where they're going? And uh, the other thing that would go along, and this would be the second one, would be integrity. So do they do what they say and say what they do? I mean, can when they when they say something, is it is it meaningful? Can you take that to the bank? Uh, and can you count on on uh, uh, on on where they're they're going? So and the other the other. Uh, quality is really empowerment it is when when somebody is empowered to do something uh, it's delegated and uh, do they interfere with that or do they do they clearly have confidence in their operations so so those would be sort of the top three uh, there are many of course and uh, so so that's uh, I'll stop at that so in taking that communication thing to the next level, I saw a, a quote once and it said, uh, every great leader treats a janitor just like it treats the CEO. Is, is that is that a fair statement? I I think it is. I think, uh, you know, respect is 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 so important. And uh, uh, and I think of uh, in my last role as a CEO, uh, uh, I actually had a butler uh, to bring bring me coffee in the morning, and uh, 
And he would always uh, appreciate if I went out and made him a cup of coffee. So, so, uh, 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 so yeah, I, I would treat, uh, you know, some people are so in awe of, of uh, the chairman of the board. Well, I think being respectful at all levels is, is very key. So, uh, uh, so good question. That would be my response to that. That's a great response. Um, do you think that leadership can be taught or is that just something that you either have or you don't? Oh, I, I think, uh, yes, it can be taught. Uh, uh, you know, whether, whether true leaders are born, I don't know. I mean, you just think of, think of, uh, some of the leaders in, in sports and hockey and so on. I mean, they didn't, they, they weren't born on skates. They had to learn how to skate. They had to learn how to, pass and uh, uh and it's a team sport so so uh, absolutely uh you can take somebody and teach them to be a good leader you know if you if you compare that same sports scenario that you just said so what about if you take somebody out into like a a a single sport uh athlete such as not a team sport but uh, an individual competitive sport such as tennis or golf for example mm -hmm. um what kind of leadership would that person have as compared to somebody who was maybe brought around, brought up around a team or, uh, you know, a, a corporate type of setting that would have multiple players in it? Well, I, I, you know, now when you look at professional tennis and so they've got such a team around them uh, and you often have golfers or tennis that they, uh, they uh, fire their coach and they, but if, if there are times when you have to replace people, but uh, at, at the end of the day, even in individual sport uh, today to get to the highest level, you've got this full team that you've got to make sure that they are, they are working in harmony with the same objectives to ensure that you're in good shape and that your, your backswing and your follow through uh, is consistent with uh, uh, you know what your what your physiotherapist wants you to do and so on. So so while it's an individual sport, uh, you do have a team that 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 uh, that will work with you. Now, in the absence of professional sports, uh, some people really excel uh without really the coaching and the mentoring that go that goes on with it but 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 usually they don't reach the the pinnacle uh, they need help to get there so in your experience in your 40 years experience have you ever co uh, coached or mentored a a sports athlete that that is has taken on a a, a leadership role or, or even excelled within their own sport for example uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I haven't coached a, a professional athlete, uh, but I can tell you that I have, I have hired a number of, of coaches and trainers for myself to try and improve my, my uh, golf game. And by the way, you, would, you might notice if you're watching TV, a name that, that never shows on the leaderboard is Carl Baird. <laughs> so, so that may have, uh, and nor and nor have I been to Wim. I have been to Wimbledon, but I haven't played. So, so, uh, so, so there you go. Well, there's one thing that you and I have in common then. 
we're we're both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, count me in that too. <laughs> oh, okay, good, good. I like to call it summertime golf. Summer here, <laughs> summer there. Well, well, I live. Oh, yeah, someone. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I live in Vancouver, so we actually play all, uh, all winter. So I'm not sure how you could do some here, some there. I don't know how we how you would use the word winter, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I win. I win here. I win the internet. There you, there you go. There you go. Stacking wins. Um, if leadership is broken down into styles, right? Like a leadership style, um, what style is best suited for success in your opinion? Well, I, I, uh, I, I guess in the first instance, I would say that, uh, you know, I will talk about, a at the CEO level in the, first of all, uh, and the at the CEO level, a company is not really a democracy. At, at the end of the day, there's one boss, but but you want to be careful that that boss is not autocratic. So if they are autocratic, you usually have a lot of issues. But but uh, there's the there's the autocratic, the democratic, and then there's the liaison, the lazy fair. So so. Uh, uh, I think one can work with any any type of of style uh, if they are too autocratic and don't use their personality. There are some real issues, so you have to soften that. And uh, if they're too easygoing, uh, sometimes they can be taken advantage of. So you need to work with these with the uh, uh, with the various leadership styles, if you will. So. So I've worked with all, all of them. And uh, uh, so I, I would say this, that if the individual does want coaching, it will work 100% of the time, various degrees. There will always be incremental improvement. If the individual does not want coaching, let's say a chairman of the board comes along and says, look, I've got a CEO and I want him to have coaching. And I go in to meet the CEO and he says, look, it's not my idea. It's somebody else's idea. That usually doesn't work. So there has to be a buy-in. There has to be a fit with the, with the individual doing a leadership assessment and coaching. And if that all works, then, then there will be incremental improvement almost immediately because they want to improve. If you if you came into that situation just like you said, and the guy doesn't is not bought in to accepting coaching or, or mentorship, even for that matter, is there a way that you can slowly work with him in order to make him understand that okay, like it's not necessarily coaching, or we're not cracking the whip here. You know, there's no there's no seriousness to this necessarily. But at the end of the day, it's for the better for everyone involved. Is there is there is there a softer way of 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 explaining that to somebody? I guess. Well, there there. Uh, I, I what what we what we do normally is we will we will use it the approach of a leadership assessment. Let's let's assess your leadership qualities and see if you could pick an area that you would like to see some improvement, what would that be? So there's a, I suspect, uh, somewhat of a sale that takes place 
to try and help him because you know that the you know that the board and you know that the executive team would like him to improve so so it's a matter of of them wanting to to see improvement in the way they they lead so so there is a way and there are sometimes where it just won't work so that's that's a given and then you see you see leaders change jobs uh, frequently because they don't want to improve and yet they they're they're smart uh, so and yet wouldn't the incentive to improve be you know essentially monetary gain yeah that's that's uh that is uh certainly important uh but uh, uh so if they think they're the smartest person in the room and the smartest kid on the block um and they got where they where they are today without coaching uh, uh sometimes it's a challenge but uh, but uh, uh it's happened it's happened probably three times uh, uh since i've been working as a as a consultant a coach uh that that I, I would walk away and say like there's no there's no room for this and then I sort of kept an eye on what's happened to the individual uh, later and uh, uh, so so usually they do move around a lot so well one of my favorite sayings is if you're if you're if you think you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room that's right yeah and, yeah. and I and I've always I've always uh, uh, prided myself of saying I'm not the smartest kid in the room. Uh, however, I have hired the smartest people and it's important that they know that. So uh, uh, absolutely. So that goes along with the recruiting and selection process of, of hiring a good team. So, so that's, you know, in, in, in that same breath, like, you know, when you were talking about, uh, you know, if they can, if they can be coached into that next level and, you know, do want to, you know, move up the the ladder. I guess. Uh, at what point do they accept coaching as a? Uh, I, I guess last. The, that's the last straw. That that's that. The, the, I've done everything else, and I'm still haven't moved up. You know, is that is is coaching really the next step for them in order to make that next step? Well, I mean, they some people, uh, Jason, don't. They look at coaching as a sign of weakness. If I need a coach, I must have some, I must have some weaknesses. So, so part of the uh, earlier we talked about professional sports. So oftentimes, if you say somebody like a Tiger Woods had a coach, uh, and did he really need a coach? Well, yes, he did. So if somebody really thinks they have arrived. And if they introduce somebody to the United got a coach, uh, they need to understand that that's not a sign of weaknesses. As a matter of fact, it's a sign of strength that uh, they uh, they are trying to improve. Even if they're great, there's always room for improvement. So that, that should so, be a great point for anybody listening to this. That Tiger Woods was you know top of the heap, and he had multiple coaches. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so right. he had multiple coaches in order to get better, even though he was here, you know, yeah. it was, it was, uh, it was one of those things that he still had flaws. Right. And, 
And we all, if we all admit that we have a flaw, you know, that would be our first step into getting better. Right. But I, I get it. Ego gets into the way and, you know, some of those things get into the way, but, uh, you know, I think that if we all can learn from from that example exactly right there, that you know, when there's a a, a guy who's at the very top of his game still wanting coaches, uh, that should make us all feel fairly humble and and accept coaching no matter what we're doing, right? So right, absolutely. Just to expand on that, Carl, when we're talking about these high level executives or or anybody for that matter, is the buy into coaching how you assess if they're coachable or is there other things that you look for um, in regards to, you know, is this individual coachable? Uh, yeah, I, I think in going and going in coach coaching, what I think of even 10 years ago, uh, the example that I cited earlier was coaching. Uh, uh, some people look at it as a sign of weakness uh, in, in some, in some uh instances i see people say ah i've got a coach and i want you to meet my coach uh so so that that's changed uh, my i i am a business coach uh so so some people are personal coaches so i uh i i'm not there although sometimes it moves into that area so uh so i i think the dynamic has changed uh, somewhat in the last while, but there are still some instances where people don't want coaching and uh, if they don't want it uh they don't want it so is there is there companies then that have that offer coaching that if you don't accept it basically we offered you coaching in order to get to that next level and if you don't take the coaching hit the hit the bricks well i i i think that's that's pretty dramatic uh uh they're they're uh you know, I've, I've, I've certainly, we've done group coaching where we take the whole executive team and uh, there are different personalities in that team, but the, the, uh, they usually will want to be a part of making the company successful. And so to the, or somebody is very close to retirement and uh, they say, oh, I'm, I'm okay, I'll play along with it. So so it's a matter of ensuring that they add value to the team because they don't want to be retiring or leaving and leaving the team uh, a weaker team. So, so there are uh, there are varying levels of engagement, I guess you would would say uh, in something like that. So gotcha. So in those team settings, when you know, maybe there's some weaknesses or more negative attributes that are kind of the stem of why the coaching um, is implemented. How do you go about making that positive change? And uh, you can't just stop and tomorrow we're different, right? How do you make that gradual change um, for the positive? Well, uh, so, so specifically it's a, it's a, so, so just ask that last little part of it again, the, so in a team setting, in a, in a business environment, how do you implement a positive change um, when you're assessing weaknesses in a team? So, so what we have done on many occasions is uh, we will create objectives or competencies within the 
various individuals. So, so first of all, we'll have an overall team objective. We want to make the team, you know, better, more cohesive, or what, whatever the uh, the objective would be. Uh, and then, while, while some of the leadership assessments that we do, uh, while the leadership assessment is 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 the outcomes are confidential, there are some pieces in there that are not confidential that they're willing to share with the other members of the team. So we take those uh, objectives, if you will, that are open and we can share them. Then we get to, we, we have a meeting together as a team and we share these objectives on how we are going to make the team, uh, you know, a better team, uh, you know, uh, we're going to communicate better. We're going to better communicate the strategy. We're going to ensure that we're all singing from the same song sheet. Uh, so how do we do that? And then in a group meeting, we take two or three objectives from each individual uh, that they share openly and they open to questions and uh, they keep each other accountable. So, uh, so, and then we meet on a regular basis and, and, uh, and sort of measure improvement on those individual objectives and the collective objectives. So when you have a group like that, how do you explain to them reaching objectives that are maybe a little more intangible, you know, like, oh, we've increased our communication, but how do we measure that? Well, uh, I guess feedback. There's there are sophisticated ways of uh, measuring feedback through through new programs and so on. But uh, uh, it, you know, if you have a starting point and you've measured if you measured uh, the level of feedback, uh, the the level of communication, if you will, you you go back in three months and measure it again to ensure there is, if, if some people say uh, there's absolutely no improvement, but we've had, we've had this open meeting within a, uh, within a, uh, uh, an executive meeting and there's no improvement. Uh, I have no problem in an executive meeting to share, look, there, there is, I've been, I've been told there is no improvement. Uh, and, and now we have to work together as a team, how we're going to do this. So the, if there is no improvement, it's usually one or two one-offs. Uh, and then I have to work with that individual and, uh, be very open about this is it. This is, this is the way you're communicating or not communicating. However, is that an opportunity to move them to a different role, uh, within the company that suits them best? Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're, oh, uh, it's over their head. Well, that's that's something that the executive team has to. I mean, that that's something as a as an executive myself, I would I would have to assess. Uh, but that is something that a that a, an executive team they kind of have to figure that out. Um, I, you know, as a as a coach, uh, I mean, I would say, look, you got to move this person over here. Uh, that that's uh, that's now getting to the advisory side, and somehow because of my experience, I will sometimes err to the advisory side. And uh, uh, but I think it's important that a CEO 
figure that out themselves. And so, uh, uh, so that that certainly is a solution. When you were in that CEO chair, and you know you did see somebody that was made maybe suited for a different role, did you did you take the bull by the horns a lot of the times and actually you know move those people into those roles, or or how does that? Who dictates what roles somebody takes on? The answer to your first question: When I take the bull by the horns, yes. Excellent. <laughs> Yeah, but I would I I also hired uh, uh, coaches to work with a team uh, and individuals. So so I was getting I was getting my own own observations. Uh, uh, you know the view of key performance indicators and taking all sorts of. It's not sort of a you wake up in the morning and you you make these decisions. You have to go through kind of thoughtfully rejected alternatives uh, and so that you come up with a solution that's uh, good for the individual and good for the organization. As and, long and, as and I have to be honest as well. As long as that bull never gave you the horn, Carl, you're you're probably good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I was, I, was, I was a pretty tough guy. But... <laughs> to, I know I come across... I come across as this nice guy, but I, I have also had some periods of being tough. <laughs> to, to Jason's point there and, and yours, in certain companies' cultures and structures, if their leadership is more to that autocratic side, how do you help get rid of that kind of boss mentality where people are kind of maybe afraid to bring forward uh negative things that happened or were issues because well if i tell carl he's going to fire me he's the ceo so now you're asking me as a ceo or as a consultant as a coach, sorry as a consultant that's good well uh you know usually there are are ways of measuring the adverse effect of uh, of somebody being autocratic so uh, one would be turnover so mm -hmm. so i mean in today's environment uh if a person is very autocratic and it's my way or the highway uh, uh many people do to take the highway so if there is a lot of turnover in an organization the ceo is aware of that or within the organization there may be somebody in marketing or it or or accounting where they have significant turnover because the individual is autocratic so uh, so there are ways of measuring the adverse effect of being an autocratic leader. So uh, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. If somebody clearly wants coaching, they will understand they are an autocratic leader. And uh, to the extent that they don't like the results, one, one objective would be to change their communication in meetings, in uh, written, like oral written uh, communication, it very, it very clearly shows uh, your leadership style. So, so, uh, so there are ways of measuring it, and good leaders always want to improve somehow. Hmm. That's a fantastic point, actually. That's a really good point. Good leaders should always want to improve no matter how good they think they are.
Right. So earlier we talked about people that don't, don't want to be coached. That, that's that's few and far between. That, yeah, that's, sure. that's there. But generally, people want to improve. And, uh, and, uh, and what we do uh, in a leadership assessment, and maybe I should kind of talk about what we do in a leadership assessment sure. as well. So, so, so what we do, a lot of people talk about a 360 feedback process. And uh, so nowadays you can get a lot of 360 feedback uh, process online. And, uh, and so you sit with somebody and say, here's, here's what people above, below, and peer group say about you, and that's it. But that's only a very small part of what we do. You know, we start out with, uh, you know, I review their CV, so I know their background. Uh, I look at their job description, so I know what it is they're supposed to perform. We do psychometric testing uh, so that we have some best practice. We understand the person. Uh, then I, I uh, attend meetings. I, uh, I read some emails that, that they will send me. Uh, and then along with that, I will do a 360 feedback process. So we create objectives. Where do we want to improve? So I measure, I take these objectives. And when I ask uh, objectives or competencies that the nomenclature can change somewhat, but essentially they're, they're the same. So I will ask uh, a minimum of six plus people, six to 10 people. Uh, I will have an in-person meeting where possible so I can get the feeling of the feedback. And uh, so I will review the strengths, the challenges, weaknesses, and, and opportunities uh, against those objectives. So now we, we, uh, we put these together in a report and get and make sure that the CEO or the leader uh, agrees with them with the objectives, and then we coach against that. So then we monitor and measure that. So whether we meet on a, you know, every two weeks or on a monthly basis, we're always measuring out on our agenda are these objectives. And so what have we done against this objective? Improve quality of meetings, as an example. Some people go into a meeting without an agenda and you know, it goes on for an hour or sometime, two hours. And, uh, you know, what has what has really been accomplished here? So my meetings uh, uh, as a CEO uh, would never last more than an hour. So if we, we have the objective, the team knew what they were to report on, key performance indicators. And then if there were additional, if there was additional information required, they... I would ask them to have their meetings and report the results of that. So, so some best practice, best practice approaches. So that's kind of just a little bit of what we do in a leadership assessment. Well, now it got me thinking because in the conversations we've had and the emails I've shared with you, now all I think is uh, you were just trying to uh, scope me to uh, get into my brain. <laughs> To, to see where I actually measure up in your in your scale. Uh, actually, okay, uh, Jason, I'm I'm not that smart. <laughs> oh, you're far too kind. Uh, uh, 
Well, Carl, uh, this has been an absolute blast. Uh, we definitely won't uh, keep you any longer, but uh, I love hearing about that stuff, and I love hearing about that. The maybe maybe we can have you on again and and actually talk about the the process around that leadership assessment that you talked about and how how it actually comes to you know uh, either improve or uh, you know make let some people walk uh, down the road. Yeah, actually, well, that's what I thought. Our uh... That's what I thought our call was about today. So, well, that's see, that, that was our follow up. See, I have to yeah. I have to lead you on in order to so I can get you back. You see how that works? Well, I, I think uh, I, I I think that uh, uh, you know if there's a best practice process with psychometric psychometric testing, uh, good solid feedback, good observations. Uh, I often tell a story about uh, somebody doing a job or the job. A job is what's in your job description. This is what you've got to do and kind of nothing beyond that. The job is taking your job description and then adding that value added stuff. And I'm reminded of a, a story um, uh, a few years ago, we were living in Europe and my wife and I went to Rhodes the island of Rhodes, and they they call it Rhodes. If you go there, and we were uh, we were staying at the Hilton Hotel and in Rhodes, and uh, we arrived, and I walked down, and I went down, looking at the whole facility, and we went down to the uh, to the gym, and I when I went there, I found out they had squash courts, and I thought, oh my goodness, because I was playing squash three or four times a week at that time. And I didn't bring my equipment. So the the lady at the reception desk showed me around the place and I told her the story. I said, oh, I wish I would have known you had squash courts because I'd have brought my squash shoes and so on. And she said, oh, well, that's too bad. And she asked me what size I wore. And I told her. And anyway, that was, that was uh, she was very friendly. The following day, my wife and I are uh, were laying by the pool, and somebody from the hotel came and delivered in a bag a pair of shoes. They were old and dirty, but they were shoes. And they said that whatever the lady's name at the uh, at the gym said, uh, we understand you didn't bring your squash shoes. So the lady brought her husband's shoes. Now they were dirty old shoes, but uh, but she brought these. So nowhere in her job description did it say that if some guest of the Hilton Hotel comes down and finds out they don't have squash, squash shoes, do whatever you can to get the poor guy some squash shoes. So it was, uh, now I went out and I, I, uh, I bought a pair while I was there because we were there for a couple of weeks. But, but I often use that example, a true example of somebody doing the job versus a job. And uh, so when I look at a management team, uh, the way they handle their, uh, the, the staff, uh, the CEO manages his executive team, I'm always looking for somebody, will they do the job or I'm sorry, that's it. I don't do any more than that. So I just thought that might be a good, uh, Good example of some of the things that I I look for when I'm assessing somebody. Somebody really solid. I don't. I do this and no more. So I hope you uh, 
I hope you enjoy that story. And when you're in Rhodes, go to the Hilton Hotel and say, remember Carl, you know, 15 years ago with no shoes. <laughs> that, that's a great story though, Carl. I really like that, that comparison between a job and the job. I've never heard that before. I've never, I love that. Yeah. That's really, really good. Actually I've used, I've used the expression uh, for many years prior to that. Like if, if you come in, I, I want you, I don't, you're going to get a job description. But that's kind of the minimum standard. I want you to do the job. And uh, and so anyway, so there you go. Well, Carl, awesome. Thank you again. Uh, that was that was great. And thanks for saying yes to the follow-up already. See how I, how I did that? That's Carl doing the job. That's not Carl doing job. the job, not a job. That that's is right. exactly correct. That's right. Anyway, Carl, thank you uh, very much. From from Hive Nation, happy birthday as well yes. in, in advance of your 49th tomorrow. Uh, should be a heck of a celebration. It's a, it's a big 49. It is, big right? 49. <laughs> uh, Hive Nation, uh, thank you, Carl, Carl Bear, and we look forward to chatting with you again. Okay, great. Thanks, gentlemen. You bet. Have a, have a good day. You as well.